Citizen Reporter number 385, 29th of July, 2011. The road bends long like mother's arms reaching for these. You accept the fact that you are not overpowering another party that you're operating in an in a culturally alien environment and if you're doing this in an intelligent way you try to understand whom you're dealing with now, what are you are you a businessman or are you a newsman it's the biggest thing. these people are putting our whole reason for doing what we do on the line All right, so it looks like the audio is good. You always get this hum of a generator, but yeah. that's all I think appropriate for Afghanistan. Yeah, <laughs> you have totally. birds and generator. Generator, yeah. diesel engine. So, hello everyone, uh, citizenreporter.org, on the road in Afghanistan again. It's 2011. July, and I'm in Jalalabad, Afghanistan, my first visit to this city, or at least this part of the city where we are, and I'm sitting with Juan. Juan, I don't even know your last name. What's your last name? Rodriguez. Juan Rodriguez. And Juan, you, uh, we met uh, here at the, um, the Taj, where we're staying, and we're sitting out here in the garden, the grass, and you've been here in Afghanistan this particular trip, uh, how long now? Well, we got here two months ago on this trip, but we were here since January. Yeah. And the group that I work here, that I work with, has been here since 2002. Yeah. So I want to talk about you and as well as that group. Uh, the group is called Synergy Strike Force. Is that That's the... right. SSF. Okay. SSF. Yeah. Uh, I've seen and heard things here and there, uh, but <coughs> most of it incomplete. Uh, how did you get started with SSF? And then we'll get to what you're doing here. Well, it's funny because it was just by coincidence that I got married and my wife had been working with SSF earlier, so... Mm -hmm. She kind of dragged me over here to Afghanistan. Oh, already to Afghanistan. That was the first stop when you started working. Well, yeah, first, yeah, first we were in Colombia. Then we just decided to move to Afghanistan because SSF kind of offered us the opportunity of doing work here from the Taj for them, and mm -hmm. and we ended up here. We come here for like three months at a time. Yeah, this is our second trip. So let's talk about what they do, what you do now okay. that you're part of it. Um, first of all, it's it's sort of it seems to be an, an umbrella organization. There's different projects in different mm -hmm. countries. Yeah. Well, no, I would say just just in Afghanistan. Okay. We don't really work at other countries. When we were in Colombia, we were doing other things. With Rachel was working as an international representative for the Indigenous Congress. Okay. And I was finishing up a school degree in design management mm -hmm. in La Universidad Javeriana. Then we just came here, and basically what we do here is, well, I'm a photographer, mm -hmm. so I've been a professional photographer for like six years, seven years now, and I used to be in the commercial world, fashion, product shots, stuff like that, and, and lately it's been really bad, the economy has gone down, so you have to find something else to do, we got this opportunity, and here we are working with the people giving internet 
to the hospitals, to schools. Mm. So that's the primary function to bring kind of to communicate Afghanistan. We communicate Afghanistan with internet, with SMS technology, education, and support to different schools, different. And so every day you're going out to these places, or almost every day. Today's the day off, of course. Uh, but you're going out to these places, or and setting I mean, things up. Yeah, we kind of on the first trip in, we we did that. We decided to spend most of the time just getting to know schools, getting to know hospitals, clinics, areas, and people who who we could work with. Mm-hmm. So now this time we've just been uh, focusing on. On getting all the projects started, everything running smoothly, hiring a good Afghan team mm-hmm. that can take care of stuff while we're not here. Because at the end of the day, <clears throat> we plan on on giving everything back, you know, to the yeah. Afghans, just helping them get started with uh, with their business or whatever it is, mm. and then just giving it back to them. I know that I got a lot of people listening who work in the world of uh, IT and mm-hmm. uh, maybe even at <coughs> ISPs. Uh, I know they would want me to ask. How does it work? I mean, when you first arrived, uh, it sounds like you brought equipment with you, among yes. other things. What, what are you bringing? So we're bringing smartphones, a lot of Sony Ericsson X10 mini smartphones. Mm-hmm. We, we brought a lot of modems, like modems with, I don't even know the, the exact technical name of it because I'm not the person that's so technical for my team. Yes. But basically... It's a it's a big modem that receives eight different SM cards mm-hmm. for like for telephones. Yeah, and you place them in there, and we connect that to our web page, and we receive SMS text from all around the villages with different types of information. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of to connect people to do th- different projects and like agriculture projects. We we get prices from all the local goods in different districts of Nangahar. So you communicate the prices to, say, farmers? We communicate it to the ministry, to the Ministry of Agriculture. Uh-huh. So the whole idea is to do crowdsourcing. And a part of crowdsourcing, well, for crowdsourcing, you need communications. You need people uh-huh. to give you information. And here, there's not a good internet infrastructure, so and it's really expensive. So we've decided to work a lot on SMS. Mm-hmm. Because people in the villages, I mean, some of them, they do have good cell phone reception. There's some villages we can't ever get to. But basically, we're asking the people to send us information. Either if it's through the mail and a specific training with 20 farmers, and then they go out into the field and they text information periodically, or it's on the radio, and with Radio Nangahar, Safa Radio, or Shaikh Radio, we, we host a series of different questions and games and mm-hmm. kind of to get the people to, to give us this information. Mm. And with this information, what we do is we put it uh, online on an open source webpage like CrowdMap, basically. Mm-hmm. And, and we share this information, hopefully, with the whole world. Uh, if any organization is interested in knowing what happens in the agriculture world here in the province of Nangahar, including the types of products, the prices, where there's lakes, where there's good irrigation, where there's no irrigation, where's, what's, what are the areas with the biggest problems, where are the areas with the least amount of problems. And with this, you know, we can just share information so that people can 
can help and make the correct judgment of or of where they're gonna put a project of where they want to work where they want to stay out of mm -hmm. and and it's like the the map you guys had of the security map a life in Afghanistan mm -hmm. we kind of started our own our own uh, security version mm -hmm. where is that um it's called security af afg security afgh okay. and so every day at this point that's being that's information been is going in. it's been updated i mean it's not as we're still hiring people so it's still it's growing every day i would say that's the smallest map as of now mm -hmm. the biggest map is the agriculture map that's been going on already for like three and a half months mm -hmm. so like that gets updated every day so to get that going you had to You mentioned the smartphones. You have to get those into the hands of, of the people. farmers. Farmers, yeah. <laughs> How's that process? I mean, are they welcoming of this phone? I know people do use mobile phones without much of a, a problem here. You know, no one says, I don't want this technology. Well, it seems like they accept Honestly, to the farmers, we gave them just regular Nokias. Oh, yeah, okay. And then to their leaders or to more educated people, you give them a smartphone. Yeah. And a lot of Afghans, I think, are, are not in... I don't know, do they not trust a smartphone? Well, you have a lot of security issues because it looks so fancy that, you know, you, if a Taliban or an insurgent or somebody stops you, they're going to ask you, hey, what is this? Why do you have this nice phone? And he, if he doesn't have a correct answer for that... His life well, is in danger. His life is in danger, yeah. So you, you make sure to give phones that aren't too fancy? Well, we try to go with the most basic one. We have a group of doctors that we work with also in... This is in all the eastern region. Lachman, Nuristan, Kunar, and Nangahar. Mm -hmm. And we gave them smartphones. We gave them one, one smartphone to each doctor, which represents each province. Yes. And then they gave a regular phone to some of their extension officers yeah. that work in the districts. And they're con constantly texting information about... How many kids were, I don't know, have diarrhea? How mm -hmm. many kids have malaria? How many, you know, just different information about each hospital, each clinic. And with the smartphones, they're actually going into houses and taking photographs of people who are sick and writing a small report and sending a geo-tagged image of and with a report of each each uh, disease that they find out in the field mm. this one started like a month ago and, it, and it's growing it's a little slow because <clears throat> even though they're doctors you would be surprised on the level of education that right it's it's very low yeah you know and it doesn't so. necessarily stretch to technology exactly like, yes i'm good at medicine but, but i don't know this technology exactly yeah. it's like yeah. the time when doctors maybe didn't touch computers that much mm -hmm. yeah and yeah they, they haven't I mean, they don't have infrastructure for electricity, for communications. They don't have landlines. Mm -hmm. So they're just giving a huge step, you know. It's a man that was born probably in the 60s or 50s and has been through all the war. And now he's given a smartphone to yeah. help his country. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. It's crazy. What we do is, I mean, it's great because we're a small team. We kind of don't have any bureaucracy going inside of our organization because it's so small that we just find projects, find places, people we trust, 
and and we implement it. Yeah. Like ASAP, we could have an idea, and in two days, three days, it's it's starting. So, mm. um, going back to the putting internet in high schools, mm. um, I'm curious about from the moment you put it in. There it is. Great working <laughs> test mm-hmm. it and everything uh do you revisit these places i mean especially the ones maybe in this area and mm-hmm. when you do revisit them say okay say you did some stuff in january and february mm-hmm. maybe you completed some projects then i don't know yeah what i wonder is when you come back say even just three months later is everything okay because no, everybody will say never. like ah they're gonna steal it they're gonna sell yeah. it they're gonna there's a long list of what cynics will say it's terrible i mean everything's okay in the sense that they still, let's say they usually what Take we a have high to, school basically yeah yeah basically we have to fix our dishes all the time the 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 web always goes down like the service always goes down something happens to the modem uh, it's difficult like if it's a cloudy rainy day of course it's going to interfere and they're not going to get any yeah but the, the technical stuff okay there it is yeah. it's a problem but I was also curious right about the human stuff. Well, the the worst problem we have with the humans is just that they're scared of using the equipment because it's a present. They think it, the students are going to break it, so the teachers will lock up the classroom, and it's really not available all the time. So it's maybe just available for two hours a day during a class, and apart from that, the students don't really have the opportunity to to sit and play with the technology and the equipment. And that's kind of an our, our idea is always just to leave it open and free and open all the time but that's not their idea. you know that's not their idea and but so it's not a case of they're selling it off they're they're opportunists in that sense it's more a case of they want to take such good care of this gift that they're protecting it too much yeah take care of it but it's just that they don't know how to take care of it so they prefer not to touch it sometimes we've seen those cases happen and then in other schools it's just amazing to see like you, you go and there's more than a hundred students touching one computer each day. Mm-hmm. So like you have just different schools that work different from others. Yeah. Also in the university, we've given a lot of equipment. We've given Nangarhar University. Mm-hmm. We've given them internet and and they use it every day. They have laptops, Dell laptops, computers that we gave. We started also an SMS project with them. We. We, we come up with our internet from here so it's like five kilometers away and we shoot it up with point to point internet you That's can see it on, on the roof right there yeah the, so the buildings next to us where we're staying are a group of two two to three buildings mm-hmm. in this area and they're lined the roof is I'm looking up there now lined with what look like cell towers um, the square little yeah, those are little like point to point dishes P2P dishes and yeah and even when you're up there on the roof there are the older dishes that are kind of down on the ground some rusty yeah. satellite dish well the biggest dish up on the roof it was it was a connection we had like three months ago and one of our fa- fun funders decided to back out uh-huh and took a took the dish the the connection away so we just have that huge dish sitting on the roof and it's doing nothing yeah. it's just making this look we're, place look very yeah. important we're we're hoping to get more funding this year to so, so what about that uh, uh ssf where does where does the money come from well ssf the money comes from everywhere i would mm-hmm. say mm-hmm. we work mostly we've been working with 
the La Jolla Triangle Rotary Club. They funded a lot of internet. They had a project called Light Up Jalalabad. Mm -hmm. So through them, there was a lot of internet that's been put in. And apart from that, also Sister City Foundation. This is also in San Diego. Yeah. And they have a global exchange program with the students, so it requires internet. Mm -hmm. And we've given them you know the Taj is a place to put internet from so that they can hook it up with all their schools and it's called the five fab fly network mm -hmm. which which is kind of re replaced because the equipment they used to do at the beginning was like little dishes with the chicken wire and yes it was really basic which didn't last time at all so now we brought modern technology and more mm -hmm. effective gear mm -hmm. And basically, the last project we've been doing for crowdsourcing, that's, that's founded by the DOD. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like an experimental project they have. And it's really exciting. And the good thing about us is that we, we maintain everything open source. So even though the DOD is getting this information, it's out there for everybody else to see as well. Mm. And so, they normally don't like that. I mean, they normally like things to keep things quite secret. And that's the big war we're having right now, is how to make all this information that goes on in Afghanistan open to everybody, just to Afghans, to international people, to, I mean, anybody who wants to come here and work and do something good. Mm -hmm. Because you have the other side where other, if the insurgents start getting tech savvy and <laughs> look at the information we have, it could be an opportunity for them to, to attack with disinformation and attack back or I don't know you know. but the kind of information that you put out you know that it, it can't be used against you or I mean it can't be used against us but you basically know let's say you know where there's a new irrigation canal mm. what if they want to blow it up I don't know you know that's just an extreme example but yeah. not that you couldn't find out anyway without the internet people could know I mean yeah. they talk But if it's in your fingertips... Yes, that's rather easy. Rather easier. But that really doesn't scare me at all. Just that a lot of people have asked me that question. You know, what are you doing with this information? And what if the insurgents or the bad guys find this information? What if, you know... And the whole idea is it should be open for everybody to, to make sure everything's transparent. And... It's like we have this girl, Una, you know her. Mm -hmm. She's been and on this podcast, yes. Yeah. And, well, she, she was doing basically the same technology, but more monitoring the elections. And I don't know if you guys were all part of yes. that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's basically what you guys have done. And, and with the same thing as agriculture, prices, making sure that everything is kind of transparent. And we're getting people in the districts that, as witnesses of what's really happening and And we're getting, hopefully, the right information. I mean, sometimes there could be some mistakes, but... Hmm. And, and the things that you're putting in place now will carry on regardless of, like you said before, well, if you're here or not down the road, the idea is that yeah. you don't need to be here. The amazing thing is that right now we can, we can keep our four maps. We have security, health, agriculture, and midwives. Mm -hmm. We have one with midwives in Kunar. And we could keep them going, basically, with our Afghan team. It's $1,800 a month, plus, for three people. 
-hmm. plus let's say a few more expenses let's say two thousand five hundred dollars a month and we get to keep exactly what we're doing mm -hmm. you know just keep recollecting that i'm making richer maps and and continue our project so it's really not expensive right now what we're doing the expensive part is keeping the internet connection that's mm -hmm. that's always the most expensive side and us coming here is really expensive. Yes. Yeah. So that's often the discussion among people here who are doing projects to train others. We all openly talk about and say we cost a lot of money to be here, uh, and in the long run, that's no good because uh, the point is not to have us here, right? Yeah. Yeah. It sucks. It's like for bringing one one of our team members here for a month. It's basically. 10k mm -hmm. and you when you think about it with that money you could buy i don't know 10 things <laughs> a lot of things yeah, yeah 10 computers. several months of the project could run several months uh, of the project 10 yeah. computers and setting up a little computer lab with maybe some solar gear even though it's not the most let's say up to date and technological you could kind of install a small computer lab what, what about solar gear um i don't know how much you've had to do with it but i saw you handling a lot of solar gear helping out well, someone here this week we've had to buy solar gear at the market here and it's all made in china or pakistan yeah and it's terrible quality so this time we brought everything with uh, a, a guy that our our boss dave warner met and he brought this system that's just the most advanced inverters, battery controllers. Yeah. I mean, it's all one setup that his company created. And he's from, he comes from Idaho, that's where the company sat. And they brought this really nice equipment that basically does everything. You just have to connect the <laughs> cables, mm -hmm. which are really basic. Yeah. They dumbed it down for Afghanistan so that all the locals could just get it fast yeah. and we've installed internet two days ago at a school which has a thousand students during the winter because it's a little cheaper to keep the school during the winter mm -hmm. in the summer it requires more fuel mm -hmm. so actually tuition goes up and then less students are available well they can't pay for okay it's tuition. like a okay everyone has to pay to go to this school yeah it's, not it's a private school yeah, yeah. So, the guy that owns the school, he's a close friend of ours, has worked in other projects. And we decided to help him out because, you know, our relationship with him. Basically, they spend like $5,000 a month on gas. Mm -hmm. For generators. For generators. Yeah. And you go look at it and it's two little generators that... Well, not even little because they're so old that they're actually big, but they're putting out little energy. Little energy, right. And... And then what we did, we just, in less than one hour, we installed three panels on the roof of like 250 watts each panel and ran a cable down through the house, like to the side of the house, just like you see here. Everything's like... There's lots of wires. Wires of everywhere, yeah. so that's normal. And then we plug it into our our controller panel, which was has the inverter, a little computer that make sure that all the energy is really efficiently consumed and yeah. then we have four batteries that are not regular car batteries but they're made exactly for solar gear yeah, yeah. so so unfortunately they, they're lead 
They're lead acid, right? They're lead acid, which is the worst thing ever for Afghanistan. Yeah. But fortunately, we're going to start bringing lithium phosphate. Mm-hmm. Lithium phosphate batteries, the same as a Prius, that Toyota Prius <laughs> has inside of it, yeah. which is basically 30% of the weight and five or ten times more the capacity of keeping electricity. And it basically, if you take care of this battery, never let let it go down all the way, it'll last, like, at least 25 years. I mean, that's what they say, but you never know because the batteries haven't been so long in the, you know, in, right, right. We in the market. These, yeah. So, you know, it's like, oh, it lasts 100 years, but you have no idea because right. it's really never been tested. Before. Yeah, yeah. Um, right, and he was talking about this system, and he was saying that it'll last... 30 years, 30 years uh, you know, yeah. minimum, um, which sounds great. And that also makes me wonder, you talked about the internet and the tools that you bring and how the common reaction is, don't touch it, kind of limiting access. And then you have solar, a solar power system now, it's a little different, you're not going to necessarily hide the electricity from everyone. Um, but you, again, the same sort of question applies, and I don't think you've had enough time to even know the answer to this, which is, you know, the system gets installed. There's the high school, for example, with solar power now. Um, does it stay in place, or does it, you know, does someone more powerful come later and say, get this out of this school, I want it in my house? Yeah, you know, I, we've done it kind of undercover. Uh, yes, I think you guys were leaving here in the middle of the night. Uh, yeah, last <laughs> night we did, we did. But, yeah, we've done it undercover trying to have as few people find out like we told them you don't don't tell your neighbors try to keep it low because according to the afghans are like no nobody will take it away from me but but that's how this country works at the end and it, and if the owner of all that land fund finds out he's gonna want to have it and he might threaten them he might tell him like well tell your guys to get me one too so and we find her find that a lot of the time we have to do favors like that mm-hmm. we have to go and tell them well we'll give it to you too then yeah so and you don't take this one away so you don't take this one away and and you might not be giving it to the perfect person but at least you're keeping the other one right so it, it is a little bit different you know difficult because it's yeah. like everybody's a caveman sometimes. But since you installed it under the cover of night and, and some privacy, it's presumably been, no one will see much, right? Yeah. They'll just I mean, have on, power. On the roof, they, they can't see anything. <laughs> yeah. we, we checked all the houses next door and everything. This is the tallest building okay. in that area. Okay. So they can't really see the solar panels. And especially like every Afghan roof is... If the houses are covered, surrounded by walls, the roofs are surrounded by walls. Yeah. So you can't really see the floor and you can't see the panels. Yeah. They're on the ground at a 30-degree angle mm-hmm. and they don't really stick out that much. The equipment, the inverters, all of that, it's inside the house, so you can't see it. And um, another cool thing that this guy is, has brought is fans and lights but everything mm-hmm. is battery powered right so it's it's like you're gonna have fans and lighting and you have to and you have little battery packs and you just have to keep recharging them they'll last like I don't know how long I, I he, suppose a day or two he's pointed out how the batteries that are in these packs for recharging are not your average kind that after a while don't work anymore like your rechargeable batteries but that they they last they're they made last. to last yeah. um Specifically, the way the contents of the of the batteries. And stuff. Yeah, I mean, he's he's been talking a lot about 
a fridge a fridge and, and they've developed this fridge that also has battery powered inside of it and and it takes much less energy than a conventional fridge yeah. so it's just that's something amazing for Afghanistan like here in the summer you just see that people are cooking yeah and if they could power a little fridge with I don't know even one panel and very few electricity I think it takes like a hundred hundred watts which is which is nothing yeah and they could fire it a bit, fire it up and get it started and and have ice and drink cold sodas have their milk have their meat in the fridge instead of hanging outside i mean it would just bring out so much yeah so much help for these people just electricity is if you think about it there's a million of people trying to do work in afghanistan trying to develop it but how are you going to develop a country that doesn't have electricity yeah And and then the people that do have electricity are the few that can afford it, which is here in the city. They have small businesses. And then more than half of their money is going on diesel. Mm -hmm. And and sometimes they, there's people that have been working with international organizations because they get good money to pay the diesel to run the little school. And that's the case of the school that we just... Yeah. It gave electricity to the guy works for an international guy gets a good check and then all this money goes to pay the teachers to buy gas so I, I think it's just crazy to think that people are really like slaves of diesel and yeah the, the thing that generates the electricity and indeed it's amazing I mean friends who have worked in perhaps post earthquake Haiti know this reality as well but It's probably the first time that I'm, well, last year as well, in Afghanistan, in a place where every building, every major building, has a generator, and you live and die, well, you don't die, but you live with that generator, it's part of your daily mm -hmm. life, you need it uh, need to it. get anything done, otherwise you just stay really still, yeah. trying not to sweat, <laughs> or, yeah. Um, And so your work continues. I mean, and and, and follow up is presumably part of it, right? Checking on yeah. these places. Follow up is is everything. Yeah. I mean, we there's places that we can't go because of security, and we've always liked to have our face out of the thing. Like, we have a lot of Afghan partners, and we ask them to do it. You yeah. know, because it's their country, and if they want to do it, you know, we're we're here to help them. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the time. It's actual our Afghan team is going out to the districts, following up and seeing if what they say they were going to do is being done. If yeah. the computer labs are still functioning, the, and in the case of the power grid, you can actually check that uh, online. I've heard. Well, yeah, the the solar little <laughs> solar system that we brought has a modem. Yeah. So if you have a internet at the school. Well, you can hook it up with the modem, and then from anywhere in the world, you can check and see what is the status of the battery, how much electricity has been used, and I mean, yeah, that's amazing, but there's so many villages and places where we've put a computer lab, but we haven't been able to put an internet, mm -hmm. because basically you're, you're paying for like 250 megs of bandwidth, not, not megs. I guess less, like two megabytes of bandwidth or, you know, something really tiny and small, you're paying like more than $2,000. Yeah. 
uh-huh. for for the satellite connection. Oh, okay, because it's satellite internet. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. they don't have the infrastructure to put it out in the middle. I mean, what we get here at the Taj now, it's not satellite anymore. But oh no, I didn't know that. Yeah, this this is not satellite. This is just point to point from Asia Global. They have the company. It's here in the middle of the city and gives us internet right there to those little satellites and then we shoot it off to the hospitals and schools. Mm. And we keep another connection for ourselves here at the Taj. Yeah. So before we used to put a lot of big satellite connections. But that was so expensive. Yeah. And I've seen the plans for internet in this country and apparently in the next two years they're going to have all the major cities wired. Mm-hmm. All the ring road that goes all around Afghanistan is going to have internet, like uh, fiber uh, fiber wires. Hmm. You think it'll happen? or I mean, the risk of sabotage is what worries me. Yeah. <laughs> I think it'll, it'll be an attempt for it to happen. Yeah. And like everything. Maybe if they do it at night like you did. <laughs> well, if nobody knows, yeah. then that's great. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you do it at night, I don't know. I think they just have to come up with something better that cheap satellite internet, yeah. you know, because that way you can make sure that nobody can go and cut the cable, hmm. you know, because it's so much money. Yeah. And is it getting cheaper? Like, I mean, data gets cheaper, but has satellite internet pricing gone down I think yeah it has Okay. since we got here in 2002 I heard they paid well I wasn't here around but I heard they paid more than $8,000 a month for internet and mm. kind of the, the way that the Taj started was an area where all local organizations could come up we have a bar we have like the only bar in Nangahar one of the few bars of Afghanistan yes. And Which is really funny because it's the kind of bar you might have in your yard or in the basement. Yeah, or like in a little <laughs> it's tiny Central American or Latin American beach, just a little tiki bar and nothing fancy. And and that's how it started with the bar and internet and getting up an area where people would come and socialize and share information. Mm-hmm. And these are, of course, only international people. The locals are not allowed to be in the bar because... Because uh, alcohol is illegal in Afghanistan, so so every Thursday they turn on the bar. Had a project that was called the Beer for Data. Mm-hmm. So for every gigabyte of information that you would give me about your projects in Afghanistan, and agree to make it open, we would make all this information open. We would give you beer. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, this project, the Beer for Data Drive project, is only going for until December yeah. and I think we're, we're not going to have more funding to continue doing it but every Thursday we would set up the bar people would come and share information we would give them beers and just have a good time you know and learn about what everybody's doing hmm. and this is kind of the model that they've tried to recreate and if we put this everywhere around Afghanistan have a place where international organizations can just talk about their work so that they're not stepping on their on their own feet and like oh I want to put a well here it's like oh well this other company already put the well there so why are you going to go there yeah so if there's more communication better better Less and more things would be good more would efficient get done. Yeah. I forgot to ask you we go backwards a little bit the midwives map what is that about what do midwives have to do okay. with crowdsourcing and that's amazing because we found out that 
it's so difficult to communicate with these people. And they're in the middle of the districts, and they're just telling us how many births there were, how many uh, deaths mm-hmm. at birth were, how many mothers have died, and then they're giving us information like how much medicine they have and how much medicine they need and what type of medicine they are they're going to need in a week so they're just giving us an update of their stock medicine stock and at the same time they're giving us updates on security like if they had any threats if the security area around the hospitals or clinics was bad just kind of giving us an over overview of what's happening in their clinic just so that you know that you know this this girl needs i don't know some antibiotic and they're running low of it so the doctor can go online here in Jalalabad because he does have internet and he can just check what his girls are texting in every every day and it's not so much crowdsourcing as in because these things are private huh? because these yeah these things protected. I mean yeah well actually with the midwives it's not protected that's open the okay. only the only protected side we have is with the early disease warning system Actually, we couldn't do it with the ministry because the ministry protects that information a lot because it's health. Mm-hmm. So the health of the people... They don't always want they, you to know how bad the situation is, if it's bad. And they don't want to know themselves because they can't help everybody. Mm-hmm. So they denied our project and then we just decided to work with other doctors and other clinics and kind of keep the information private because we don't want them to get in trouble with the ministry and just having them for their use Mm -hmm. so that they know what's happening in each province and at the same time we've been trying to fall well we're waiting for a cholera outbreak in the eastern region or for a measles outbreak or something to map Mm -hmm. you know and and it's terrible because sometimes you have like oh there's an outbreak and then oh no it wasn't confirmed yeah actually the texts are negative Mm-hmm. So, it's really disappointing at one side, because you really want to map it, but then on the other side, it's like, oh, man, well, that's so good that People there's not an suffer. outbreak. Yeah, 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 there's nobody suffering. So, that's been really, really interesting. But the midwives, going back to the midwives, I mean, it's just a way of connecting the girls together also, because we have a PayWAS group, and through this PayWAS group, which is developed here in Afghanistan, it's a company that communicates people through SMS technology and you can create groups and text your own group and Mm -hmm. so we're linking the girls together through that so that they can ask questions like oh my god I'm gonna have this woman she's giving birth and I forgot how to do this and maybe you know the girl from the next village or the other village can text oh remember you had to do this and it's just a way of getting them communicated and sharing their experiences and asking for help in between each other and kind of supporting themselves because as a woman traveling to a village which is not where they were born it's dangerous mm-hmm. you know and and they're little girls like they're girls that came out of high school had a two-year diploma on midwifery and they're probably 18 19 years old maximum 20 and then they're out in the middle of a village mm-hmm. with I mean, with no security at all, with no real good pay, no salary, no good food, but they it's the only job they can get, and it's what they wanted to do, and they want to help their country, so they do it. And we're just, we want to help them with technology, you know? We want to be able 
to educate them so that they can communicate with each other, they can communicate better with the doctors and and us as internationals, we can see which are the areas that need more help and this way kind of help for the development of the country. Hmm. Okay, last question. We've talked about the project, we've talked about how it started, how it's going. Um, a more big picture question for you as someone who's been here for some time. You check the media, I think, every now and then. Um, you know how perhaps in Colombia, in the U.S., in other places, how they talk about uh, Afghanistan overall. Um, what do you think the world doesn't yet understand about what's happening here? Uh, I'll give you mine, but I want to hear yours first. Okay. <laughs> what does it do? Compared to how they talk about it in the media, right? Well, people think we're crazy because we don't have security. We don't have mm -hmm. proper security here. People don't understand that everybody here has a regular day-to-day -day going out to the market shopping cooking dinner a loving family I mean there's of course there's people that have a lot of issues but at the same time there are people that are working really hard for the country there's positive stories there is hope and and just the pictures that you see in the news and everything you see is just war related and there's other things that are really beautiful about the country like its nature landscapes even archaeology because here next to the Taj we have these Buddhist mounds that are burial grounds and and there's more than 40 or 50 burial grounds uh, that are here next to the Taj so I mean Afghanistan has a rich history of different cultures that has been here and I think people forget about that they forget how how rich the land is and mm. and they just focus on the war and the people that die and the American soldiers and, and just the security about foreigners they don't really care about what happens to a local mm -hmm. I yeah. don't know yeah no I, I find that um, the story is always and everyone then makes their own explanation about Afghanistan without yeah. without needing much more they say all that country knows is war Yeah, and I think no <laughs> I've seen all that people know is life mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and doing their job, doing their work, yes, spending time with family. I mean, man, it's Friday today, and any Afghans that you know, mm -hmm. on Friday, they're, it's really important. they got to go see their family. Their family yeah. I know very few who don't. Mm -hmm. um, and so the, the story is always, it's always that explanation, like at the bar or at some you know, uncle's house, like, oh, Afghanistan. Problem there is people only know war. And I think, like, that's just not that's all not that's true. going on. Yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful when you go into the districts and you see these huge irrigation canals and then you see the kids jumping and swimming and then they're having a huge wedding and a celebration and then they're having a huge cookout outside. They have huge watermelons, delicious <laughs> fruits. Yeah. I mean, if this country was cleaner and had electricity, I mean... I, th I think if it just had electricity, it would be almost perfect, and I would like to live here. Yeah. Because I think once you solve the problems of electricity and communication, you know, the, the war starts... Oh, man. I don't know. I don't know if the war is going to end by just giving everybody electricity or communication. Okay. But, but it could help. But it could definitely help. Yeah. Or at least... Well, keeping people isolated, I think, is a strategy. It's right? a strategy, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah where I, I see a, a lack of something is where um, 
in a city. We've had it two or three times this week. You know, in a bazaar, for example, Taliban attack, or even not the Taliban. Sometimes it's just bandits, right? Whatever. Um, they do an attack of some kind, and a lot of just regular people die. And I think, like, if enough regular people said, "You're not doing this in our town," right? That power of community. Uh, I don't know. I, I like to think they would be a force that even a, a group of twelve guys with big guns, if they came in, they wouldn't be able to. Bully I mean, these people, but it doesn't happen yet. Yeah. Communities don't say you're not coming here. Yeah, it's difficult. A lot of people live in fear. Yeah. And one of the projects that we're going to start very soon is to is billboards, and we're going to put billboards around the city that say Jalalabad, unite and help us hmm. convert war into peace. Hmm. Call this number and tell us what Whoa. your security situation is or we <laughs> haven't really yeah. decided exactly what the words are going to be right. on the map but it's going to be something along so don't jump lines. to reaction everyone out there yeah, yeah. <laughs> and but at the same time it is an experiment you know and it has to be it can't be so conservative and we can't be so careful about what we write we really have to write something that's gonna take a risk catch, yeah take yeah. a risk and yeah. get the people's attention yeah and and then we're gonna see how many calls we get yeah and and that's a big Measure. I mean, a lot of people could be just scared of texting, but what if we get a lot of texts and or, or a lot of phone calls? And some phone calls could be from the same insurgents, some phone calls would be from families. But I mean, it would be a way to see how people react to all these ideas that, that we're trying to throwing out at them. Yeah. yeah, and I say that just because there have been cases in history, even recent history, where countries, communities get basically tired of war to the point that they're going to do something about it and it doesn't mean they're going to attack with guns and things but they're just going to take steps to make sure that it doesn't happen or that it's difficult to happen i've heard of even cases in colombia where communities declare themselves that are close to farc regions they declare themselves like no weapon towns i don't know how well this works i gotta go interview some people working there but i get the concept it's like You're not coming into our town with your weapons. I know you're in some kind of war, you know, government versus rebels. We're not in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's for me, that's interesting. And, and I've had friends in Angola who said, our country is sick of war in the early 2000s. And it wasn't perfect. I mean, it was far from perfect. But indeed, you know, the war ended. One strong man died. Nobody wanted to keep it up, just to summarize a civil yeah. war. Um, so it's not impossible. And that's that's one of my thoughts when I listen to people say all they know is war and at the end they don't know just war because they've been alive like I mean they were alive before the the Russians came in here many of the people that are still alive today and if you see photographs of Afghanistan back in the 50s and 40s you see that people had a normal life and they didn't wear burqas women wore regular clothes like skirts And uh, shirts, and they were going to class and giving and teaching, and it was normal life. And after the Russians and then the Taliban, and and now we see this country with all the women completely covered in burqas in this area. Because in, it, well, I've yeah. been to the West, and I, you okay. know, it doesn't happen. It's interesting. And, and then yeah. it's interesting because you have people like the um, the Kuchis uh-huh. that are the nomadic Pashtuns. And they travel through Afghanistan and Pakistan between the borders. And you see them, and they don't work burqas either. But they, and they don't even take action in this war, I think. Mm-hmm. Or at least that's what I've, I've heard, is that 
nobody bothers them because they're they're afraid of them. Yeah, they're yeah. probably yeah, they're pretty powerful. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, let me make sure that uh, I say whatever websites for people to get information. You already mentioned the maps. Um, mm -hmm. I'll try and assemble links. On okay. The, on the post um, for that. Okay. Um, yeah. SSF's website is not There's so no great. There's no website. Yeah. No. There <laughs> is no absolutely like we try to maintain everything as low as possible. I might even get in trouble for saying some of the things I said. Ah. Not really, but uh, nobody listens to this part of the nobody. Podcast. <laughs> no, they don't stick with it. But uh, so I'll make sure to put in some links um, that we'll talk about anyway. Yeah, I'll give you guys my link. Yeah. We have, I mean, we have SSF, and then. My wife, Rachel, Jennifer, and I, which we work for SSF, we also have our own little company. We're kind of contracted by SSF legally. Okay. So in our webpage, we're going to have, well, of course, all of my photography, not mm -hmm. all of it, but a lot of my photography is going to be there. Okay. Also, you're going to find all the links to our projects and our maps and little, like, uh, short one-page essays about our projects and descriptions about what we do. So it's called the International Synergy Group. Okay. Incygroup.com. I-N-S-Y group.com. And, of course, I'll give you all the links, and you can type them up and just have them so that people can click on it and check out what we're doing. Okay. Juan, yeah. thanks a lot, and uh, it's been great meeting you. And hey, I hope in the way. future we'll, we'll check and, and hear that things are good, things are better. Um, Inshallah. Yeah, as they always say. As they always say. All right. Thanks a lot. All right, man. Let's go back to the pool. Yes.